you're a child second grade and younger and your parents so desire, you can be dismissed right over here with Mr. Jason to kids worship and we'll see you when you come back during the last song. We look forward uh, to seeing you guys come back. I'd ask everybody else uh, to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 145. The Psalms are in the the middle of the Bible. Uh, Psalm 145 is close to the end of that book. Uh, We're going to be in Psalm 145 this morning, looking at verses 18 and 19. And we talked last week about our mutual desire, my desire and yours, uh, to grow in our faith and the ordinary means that God has provided as a program for His people to grow. And the first means that we talked about, of course, I just mentioned it, is the Word of God. How God uses His Word to communicate to us His extraordinary grace to save sinners and sanctify, grow saints. Now when we talk about growing in our faith, we're not so much talking about a process as we are about a relationship. Ultimately, growth for the Christian is about knowing and walking with God more intimately. We're not necessarily talking so much about a process. We are talking about a relationship and how we grow in our knowledge of God and who He is and what He has done. The Word is a means of grace to grow that relationship because it's through the Word that God speaks to His people. We know that every relationship requires us to speak. But as you know, communication, which is essential to a relationship, especially a deep relationship, it has to be two ways. When communication stops, the relationship begins to atrophy. If only one person is communicating, it's not going to work. Communication and relationship require both parties to communicate, to speak, and both to listen. God is calling us corporately and individually, into a deep relationship with Him. He speaks to us by His Word, and we speak to Him, how? Through prayer. We speak to Him through prayer. And God invites us to speak to Him with the promise that He will listen in the means of grace that is prayer, that God will listen and respond. We listen to God as He speaks to us through His Word, and God listens to us as we speak to Him through prayer. So let's look together and see this in God's Word. Psalm 145, verses 18 and 19. I'd ask you to stand in honor of God's Word. Psalm 145, 18 and 19. This is the Word of God. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's go to the Lord and ask for His help this morning. Lord, we do thank You for Your word. We thank You that it is true and trustworthy, and we thank You that it reveals You to us. Lord, thank You that You speak to us by Your word, and thank You for the invitation and even the command to speak to you through prayer. And I pray now that we would, we would learn about prayer, that, Lord, as a result of this time together in your word, we would desire prayer more than we do right now, Lord, but because we desire you more than we do right now. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
The great English preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon once wrote, The condition of a church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a graceometer, and from it we may judge the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, it must pray. And if he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be slothfulness in prayer. Ouch. He goes on to say, as well as you could expect a plant to grow without air and water, as to expect your faith to grow without prayer. You can expect a plant to grow without air and water as much as you can expect your faith to grow without prayer. See, prayer is a means of God's grace to us both individually and as a church together. We listen to God as He speaks to us through His Word. God listens to us as we speak to Him through prayer. But as we pray, God does more than listen. As we pray, God communicates His grace to us. And we have precious promises throughout the Scriptures and in the text that we just read about how the Lord responds when we call to Him. The first thing that we saw in that little short text that we just read is the Lord promises His presence when we pray. Think about that. The Lord of all creation promises His presence with us when we pray. He says the Lord is near to all who call on Him. Now, one of the very fundamental things that that we affirm as an essential of our faith is that God is omnipresent. God is everywhere and every when at all times. The creator of all things is simultaneously present everywhere. One of the first ten catechism questions that I learned as a child and, and taught my children, we probably didn't get much past number ten, which is this question, but here's the question. Where is God. So we start with things like, who made you? God. What else did God make? God made all things. Why did God make all things? For his own glory and so on. And then we get to the question, which is a great question because kids are going to ask it, where is God? The answer, God is everywhere. Now, if God is everywhere, what could he mean when he says that he is near to those who call on him? If God is everywhere, what does he mean when he says that the Lord is near to those who call on him in prayer? Well, this nearness that the Lord describes here is a personal nearness. It's a relational nearness. It is an intentional nearness that is born out of love for those who belong to him. God is present near every person on earth. But not every person on earth is aware of his presence and many people on earth reject his nearness when we call on the lord we seek to draw near to him in prayer and he promises that when we pray we will enter into his nearness and that we will enjoy experience and be blessed by his intentional presence with us so my children i have four children 12 9 7 and 2 i've finally gotten their ages right and they're going to change pretty soon My children, they know the difference between daddy being home and daddy being present. 
They knew the difference between daddy merely being home and daddy being present, but not fully. You know, I can be home physically, but not fully present with them. And other times I am intentionally present with my children. Sometimes I leave my phone up in my room. In fact, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we went to the beach and I left my phone on the nightstand and went outside and never touched it, never looked at it all day. And so I was intentionally present with my children the entire week and it was glorious. And when I do that, when I look them in the eyes and I listen to what they say to me, I see the joy reflected back to me of my presence with them, and we enjoy one another's presence. And that's the kind of nearness of God that waits for us in prayer. When I do that, I can see my little kids' love banks just filling up, and God calls us to that in prayer, to be filled up and to overflow with His nearness. Prayer is about being with God more than it's about anything else. Prayer is about being with God more than anything else. But so often we treat prayer as a transactional exchange rather than a relational experience. We treat it as a transactional exchange rather than a relational experience. We do it, if we do it, to get it done. We heap up the formula and the familiar phrases. We say amen because we know that that's what we're supposed to do. We come to God with a laundry list of things we want Him to do with Father at the beginning and in Jesus' name at the end. And I would just ask you, how, how do human relationships go when one person just tells the other person what they want done? It's not going to go well. I don't even think it can accurately be described as a relationship. Instead, it's just a, a series of transactions. The call to prayer is a call to relational closeness with God. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. James tells us, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Do you want to know God? We saw last week that if we want to know God, it means that we must listen to Him speak to us about Himself through the Word. Here, we see that if we want to know God, we must also call on Him through prayer. And as we do, we will experience the kind of nearness that David wrote about in Psalm 139. He says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. When the believer prays to be with God, to know God, we experience His nearness because He lives in us by the Spirit who testifies to our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, the Scripture says, also heirs with Christ, united to Christ by faith, we are called to intimate communion with God and we are given everything we need for it by the Spirit. Do we want to know God? Individually and corporately. Do we want to know God? Then we must meet Him in prayer. Just a couple of practical recommendations. First, we schedule everything in our lives, don't we? Schedule time to be with the Lord in prayer. 
Make sure it's a time when other things aren't going to encroach on that appointment. You know, when an appointment is really important, you don't let other things interfere with it, correct? Schedule a time to prayer. Get out your phone. Put in your day an alarm that says it's time to pray. And if it helps, start with the Lord's Prayer. So many of us know it. Whether we grew up in church or not, we know the Lord's Prayer from being part of sports and other things. So start with the Lord's Prayer or crack open the Psalms, but begin to pray every day and schedule your time to be with the Lord, to to have Him be near to you. Also, pray the Psalms. If we really want to experience the presence of the Lord, it's good for us to pray the prayers of someone who intimately experienced a relationship with God. And the Psalms are just full of expressions of relational intimacy with God. And I find that often when I try to pray on my own, I feel like my prayers might just bounce off the ceiling. I I feel that my heart gets easily distracted, that my mind begins to think of other things. So often I will break open the Psalms and begin to pray a Psalm to intentionally read and pray what is on the page and I will find my heart come alive and warm to God and suddenly we're having intimate conversation. Lastly, ask for a desire to be with God in prayer. Listen, I know it's hard. Prayer so often, even though it is, it is supposed to be for us, relational nearness with the person who loves us the most, it's also very hard. To ever feel like it is. And so ask that the Lord would lay a burden on your heart. That he would give you a genuine and true desire to be with him. Because that will compel you to prayer. Jim Symbola, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. He says this. If we don't want to experience God's closeness here on earth. Why would we want to go to heaven anyway? He is the center of everything there. If we don't enjoy being in His presence here and now, then heaven would not be heaven for us. Ask for a desire to be with the Lord in prayer. The Lord promises His presence when we pray. The second thing that we see is the Lord promises His provision when we pray. The Lord promises His provision when we pray. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. Though the Lord does not call us to transactional prayers, He absolutely calls us to make our desires and our requests known to Him through prayer. Again, just as we know that God is omnipresent, that He's present everywhere at all times, but His nearness means something else, we also know that God already knows what we're going to pray before we pray it. We know and affirm that He is omniscient. Psalm 139 again. Before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. The point of prayer is relationship. And there is power when we speak out loud to another person or to the Lord about our hopes and our desires and our dreams. The Lord wants us to bring the things to Him that we want and need in the same way that a child asks loving parents for provision. The Lord's invitation to prayer in many ways is an invitation to crawl up into our Father's lap and to tell Him what we think that we need. Matthew 7, 9-11 Which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. 
If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Jesus, in the upper room with His disciples, on the night before He was to go to the cross, was teaching His disciples, and again and again, He repeats this command to pray for provision. John 14, 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in My name... This I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Fifteen, sixteen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Sixteen, twenty-three. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. James, the brother of Jesus, later is going to say, you do not have because you do not what? You do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You do not have because you do not ask. And you do not receive when you ask because your motivation for asking is to spend it on your own passions. But ask you, what, what do you need? What do you desire? When we ask the Lord in faith, when we ask the Lord in His name, according to His will, for His purposes, our prayers become the means by which He does His will in the world. Prayer is a means of grace to us as we spend time with God, know Him more, and have our faith built up as He responds to our prayers. Now, This doesn't always work the way that we might imagine or desire for it to work. We may share the deepest longings and desires of our hearts with the Lord and nothing. At least for a while. And know, the reason it is that way is simply because of our perspective. My four kids, who I referenced earlier, they're not shy about sharing with me their desires. If you have had kids or you have kids currently, are are they shy about sharing their desires? No, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. Can I have this? No. Okay. And, And I love that they're so open with me about their desires. It shows me that they know that they're loved and that they expect good things from their mom and their dad. Almost everything they ask for is good. But not all of it is good for them at the time that they ask it or for the reasons that they ask it. So as a good parent, what do I say? I say no or I say wait. And because they don't have perspective, they say, just kidding, my 12-year-old doesn't do that. But they might have a difficult time not getting the answer to their heart's desire. But because of my perspective, which is greater than theirs, out of love for them, I tell them no or wait when what they are asking would not be good for them at the moment they're asking. Or if they're asking for it out of the wrong motivations. So ultimately, they have to trust. They have to trust in my love for them, my intended goodness toward them, and my knowledge of what they need. When I tell them no... It grows the relationship to the extent that they are willing to trust me. 
when I tell my children no, it grows our relationship to the extent that they are willing to trust me. I don't know who to give credit uh, for this quote, but it's this. When we pray for provision, we are to pray trusting that God will give us what we would ask for if we knew what he knows. When we pray for provision, we pray trusting that God will answer our prayers and will give us what we would have asked for if we knew what he knows. And at this point in my life, I can look back at all of the prayers that I thought went unanswered or got a no answered, and I can sing with confidence, all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. The Lord promises his presence when we pray. He promises his provision when we pray. And thirdly, the Lord promises his power when we pray. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. He hears their cry and saves them. Last week we read from Romans chapter 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I think that we take for granted the absolute impossibility of salvation. I think we take for granted the miraculous nature of human salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 gives us a trifold description of our condition in our natural state as sinners before a holy God. First, he says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead in sins. The second thing he says, you were not a disciple, a follower of God. You were a disciple of Satan. You were a follower of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Dead in sin. What do dead people do? Nothing. Ever. Right? Disciple of Satan. And thirdly, deserving of God's wrath. You were, like the rest of mankind, children of God's wrath. But verse 4 is the good news of the gospel. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. The power of God in salvation is nothing less than raising the dead. You hear that, Back Creek? The power of God on display in our salvation, in your salvation and mine, is nothing less than God reaching down into absolute spiritual death and bringing us into life. This is what God has done for me and for you if you know Him. If our God has the power to raise the dead when we cry out to Him, how does He not also have the power to do marvelous, amazing things in us and through us who have been raised? The very reality that that those of us sitting in this room have had our sins forgiven, have been raised to spiritual life from spiritual death, now have access to the Father where we can storm into the very throne room of God and let Him know our desires and our dreams, where we can ask Him whatever it is that we wish in the name of His Son, that He calls us by His name because we are His adopted children. This is absolutely marvelous and miraculous. How can we not also expect this God to respond to our prayers 
in ways that we can't even begin to imagine because of his almighty power. We're talking about growing up in our faith and the means that God gives us to accomplish that in our lives. And there was a Scottish preacher that I look up to. And in 1880, his name was Andrew Bonar. And in 1880, he prayed this and he wrote it down in his journal. I long more and more to be filled with the Spirit and to see my congregation moved and melted under the Word as in great revival times, the place shaken where they are assembled together because the Lord has come in power. Is that what we want to see here at Back Creek? Do we want to be moved and melted under the word? Do we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do we want this place to be shaken because the Lord has come in power? And that's what I want for us because I believe that that is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. So today I am calling us to a renewed commitment to prayer. Each one of us individually If you don't already schedule time to pray, set the alarms on your phone and pray for God's presence, His provision, and His power, both for you individually and for our church. And also corporately. Listen, I know we have many prayer warriors in our congregation that we come together for prayer regularly in various environments, but I want to call us to more intentionality in prayer. And we're going to smart, start small, and I hope that we'll start small and then, and then build on this, but I do want to start small, and, and here's what my desire is. Here's where I believe the Lord is leading us to start small with regard to prayer. I want a team of people. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from or, or, or where you went to high school, what your background is, how long you've been walking with the Lord. I just want a team of human beings who would be willing to gather with me in my office 15 minutes before uh, each service. Now, it could be a team of people that meet with me before the first service or a team of people that meet with me before the second service. Or if we don't have enough people, maybe someone who'd be willing to meet uh, at both times. But 845 and 1015 in my office to prevail upon the throne of grace for our church and the individuals within it. That we would simply meet for 15 minutes before each worship service and pray to the Lord. And I have plans to build on that. I already know what the, the next step would be. But that's for starters. If you want to be a part of our prayer ministry, of our prayer team, then, then here's what I need you to do. Would, would you please just, in the bulletin uh, is my email on, on the bottom at, at the very back. It's mcar at backcreekchurch.org. Would you please shoot me an email? If you have my cell phone number, just shoot me a text and let me know that you want to be a part of that team. And I will be here 845 next Sunday morning, 1015, in my office. And I will be waiting for you to show up and to pray with me. In His goodness and in His grace, God has promised His people His presence, His provision, and His power when we pray. We have access to Him through the Lord Jesus Christ in His life and in His death and in His ongoing prayer ministry at the right hand of the Father. We have the ability through the indwelling Spirit who creates prayer in our hearts and attunes our hearts to the Lord's will. And we have at all times the full attention of the Father who hears and responds to His people. How can we not pray? I'll leave you with this quote from A.C. Dixon. When we rely on organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely on education, we get what education can do. 
When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do and so on. But when we rely on prayer, we get what God can do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the invitation and the command to your people to call on your name. We thank you for these precious promises that you give us of your presence and your provision and your power when we pray. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not neglect the prayer closet. Lord, that we would find ourselves today desiring to be with you in prayer, to know you, to grow in you, to have you answer our prayers according to your will for our good and for your glory. Lord, and that through prayer, through renewed commitment to individual and to corporate prayer, Lord, I pray that you would grow our faith. That, Lord, you might do mighty things in and through your people here at Back Creek. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand once more and respond to God's word in song.